Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Robin Cadwallader for the first time on the podcast. Robin is an award-winning and critically acclaimed author of The Anchoress and Book of Colours. And today we talk about The Fire and the Rose, a deeply moving novel set in the turbulent world of the 13th century England, which I'm super excited to talk about. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Danny. Lovely to be here. I love historical fiction and I love talking about, you know, 13th century, you know, England or 13th century times. I find it so interesting. But before we get stuck into that, can you give us an elevator pitch as to what The Fire and the Rose is about? Well, the very the very short version is that um, it, it is set in Lincoln in, in 1276 and it's the story of Eleanor, who is a young woman who wants to become a scribe, which is a um, a difficult thing to do, um, and who falls in love with a Jewish man. And in that process, she's sort of thrown into deep into the struggles and the tensions of the Jews in the in the 13th century in England. Wow. And I just love, like I said, looking back in time, um, you know, the values and how people lived. And it's really extraordinary, you know, to think you know, in 12, whatever, you know, how different that is. So when you were doing your research, it must have been really interesting and really fun. What was a really interesting discovery or discoveries you made about this particular time? Well, actually, the, it was the one that set the novel going for me, which was that I that I read one day, it was a kind of passing comment um, in some research that I was doing for a previous novel that that in 1290 the Jews were expelled from England. All Jews were expelled from the country. Wow. And I found I just found that um just extraordinary. Like how how do you just tell a group of people that it's time to go and that, that they're just, you know, if they stayed, they will would be killed. Um, a wolf's head bounty, they called it, which means that they could be hunted down and killed like a wolf, and uh, which they were trying to eradicate at the time. So I just, th- these were people who had been there for, um, well, about 2,000 years that they'd been invited. It was longer than 2,000 years, wasn't it? Um, two, what am I saying? 200 years. <laughs> Sorry, 200 years. Um, they'd been invited um, by William the Conqueror in 1066. And and so these people had lived there, had worked there, had helped 
what they had done was help finance William's William building his new nation, and uh, and so they they have been there for generations. It was their their country. So to tell these people they had to go, I found um, appalling and mm. and just remarkable. And so that's what set the novel going. And that it just was a big surprise to me. I knew nothing about them. Um, yeah, about- it's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, and it's not something that I've heard before either before reading this book. So it's extraordinary that, you know, this part of history we don't hear about possibly because it was so long ago. Now, I'm really interested in, you know, set the scene for 13th century. What does an average kind of day look like? What's the technology like? Give us a rundown. Oh, okay. Uh, well, in Lincoln, we're in, in a fairly sizable for the time a fairly sizable city so the average day you've got markets happening in the the main streets of this of the city um you've got shops open um there'd be like i have a spice shop in the novel yep um, but you have bakers and butchers probably fairly familiar things there'd be in Lincoln there would be a lot of trade happening down on the river because the it's built Lincoln is quite remarkable in a sense it's built on a very steep hill and it's built with um uh, uh with a with a river close by with lots of trade going up and down um into into England, but also to Boston, which is a port nearby, and ha- that also has um, trade, international trade. So that's that's all happening. Um, uh, you would also have nearby farmers and um, lots of wool wool trade, lots of um, wool farming, lots of cereal farming. So people would would be some people would be working on farms uh have middlemen who were um pl- plying their their um their business being middlemen between the wool producers and uh, and those who want to buy wool uh lots of textile industry as well at the time mm, sounds very vibrant actually <laughs> Well, um, very, yeah, very busy, I think. Mm, very um, busy, absolutely. And also you'd have lots of people doing business in church. They'd be going to church. Um, you know, they would go fairly regularly. People were sort of obliged to go. And I think we would actually be really surprised at the number of churches. Um just about on every corner. <laughs> wow. And now there's a what a pub on every corner. <laughs> Our times change. A few of them as well. (laughs) Now, Eleanor, your main character, she is a wonderful character, particularly for that period of time. Independent, um, you know, wants to work as a scribe, a profession that at that time is only open to men. I'm very interested to find out about women, their roles in the 13th century, and what happens without giving too much away in the book when you wanted to go beyond what a woman was allowed to do. Well, she for Eleanor, she um she had learned to, to read 
um, when she was a little girl, um, and that part of that story is in the Anchoress. Uh, and then she was taught, also taught to write a little bit by her and then later on by some monks. And really for her wanting to, to she was really laughed at and not really taken seriously. Uh, so her ambition was pretty, pretty tough going, except that um, in a in a pretty dark kind of irony, she, the horrors of the Jews being arrested and so many of them being killed meant, um, and along with the Jews, there were also um, Christian people were arrested and hung uh, in, in um, arrests. The king arrested a lot of people for um, trading in coin and um, depleting his supplies. So he, he arrested and killed a lot of people. And while Eleanor found that shocking and distressing, it also meant that that opportunities opened up for her to become a scribe because the scribe, some of the scribes were, were arrested and killed. Wow. Uh, so she, um, but she was still not always taken seriously. Um, mm. So, you know, it's not, not unfamiliar in a sense. She had to prove her worth mm. that much more than a man would have to. Well, that's still happening so many hundreds of years later. <laughs> well, in some ways it's very different and in some ways it's just the same. <laughs> just shows both progress and also it'll be sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, what were the roles of women? What were their choices back in the 13th century? Wife, mother, church? Yes. Uh if you're talking about the upper classes, that the choices were very limited. So actually for women in the aristocracy, their choices were much more limited than um, women in the lower classes. So, you know, if you were in the upper classes, you were obliged to marry into the right family. Uh, you were obliged to, um, to make sure the family connections worked well. But women in lower classes, and and if we're thinking about women in villages, they, you know, there there's evidence that some women were able to remain single and then to buy and sell property, and so so some women were quite um, were quite independent of men. Mm. Uh, that that wasn't really the norm, but those things were were much more yeah. possible for mm. women. So. There is a little bit of leeway. I mean, the 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 stereotype and the you know, there's a fair bit of truth in it. Is that women were controlled and needed to marry because they had so few rights, and in towns, in trades, that that was pretty much the case. So that um, women might have skills a lot and work alongside their husbands, but they they couldn't be often couldn't be part of the guild often had to um sort of remain doing the work in the house while their husband went out and did business mm -hmm. interesting it's really interesting times isn't it i'm fascinated by, yeah. by things like this now you're talking about 
you know, there was hangings and it's quite, it was quite a violent period of time and, you know, Jews were sent, sent away from their homes. But this is juxtaposed, of course, against, you know, a love story and the love of books and words. So tell me about the juxtaposition and how these two things work together or against each other. Yeah, well, it, it is a very violent time. Um, and uh, for the Jews, particularly a very, a very harsh time. Mm. Um, but Eleanor, um, uh, <laughs> Eleanor goes to a spice shop uh, in her work, her initial work as a just a, an ordinary housemaid and uh, meets meets a Jewish man there um, who is the spicer and falls in love. She um, she's a bit mesmerized by the shop and the beauty and the and the way this man um, handles just handles the spices um, uh, and the way he speaks um, and and she comes to they start to talk about uh, words. Eleanor's fairly um, uh, she yeah she, she um, what am I trying to say. She loves words and she's very proud of the fact that she has a, a little Psalter, which is a book of Psalms. So she tends to be a bit diffident when um, she finds this Jew is talking about his his illuminated manuscripts. Uh, but so they have a little tussle, um, but eventually Eleanor shows him her book and it's in that process that Eleanor kind of um, is prepared to become more vulnerable and open up to him, uh, which, which in the process of writing I found quite touching mm. um, the, the way books and sensuality and vulnerability and um, relationships are, are built yeah. Um, um Yep. So that's how that's how they get together. And then she, because she's in love with him, she's that she's not allowed to have a relationship with Jewish man. It's both illegal and um, forbidden by the church. Wow. So she's uh, they have to keep the relationship secret, and it's it's. It's not wise. They both recognise it's not wise, but. Uh, when she... is love ever wise, Robin? <laughs> That's right. And, and she can't stay away. She keeps saying that she will stay away, but she uh, she keeps going back. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, th and that, that, in many ways, that love is where the, the beauty and the, the hope in the novel. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you described it as, you know, the sensuality of it, because that's how, you know, I read it as well. There's a tenderness and a sensuality along with all, you know, the horrible things that are happening. But I'm, you know, thinking words and books and spices and, you know, a love you're not supposed to have. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah. <laughs> Forbidden love. Yeah. <laughs> now, how does the written word have the power to change and shape lives? I mean, I'm a big advocate of that, of course, but what, what do you think about that? 
Oh, I think it does. But but as what I um, I didn't actually set out to to talk about the dangers of um, of word, of the written word. But but as the novel as the story uh, developed, I realised that that words have the power to both destroy and mm. to to build. Absolutely. And Eleanor has to learn that. She learns that um, in very difficult ways. Uh, she she just loves words, loves the beauty of them, loves writing. And there's a bit of romance of all of that for her. And then it, it takes her, um, takes some fairly difficult encounters and, uh, and meeting a priest who also loves words but who then uses that love, Eleanor's love of words, to essentially blackmail her. And in the process of all of this, she discovers that stories that are told in the in the city are also dangerous and destructive to the Jews. It's incredible, isn't it? The power of the word. And, you know, like you said, it can it can be really positive and shape lives, but it can also do that in the negative as well. And it can be quite destructive. So it's really interesting, the power of that. And you, your book also explores what it means to be the other, you know, exiled from home and family and not wanted in a place that's been your home and then the forbidden love. And I really like the idea of, you know, as a society and a people like we need the other. And I guess that's what you were trying to explore. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, it's, um, I think it was Hilary Mantel who said that um, often you write the story and then you discover what it is all about. (laughs) and I, and I think that that's very true. And I realised uh, toward the end that actually what I what I was really, while I had issues of prejudice and questions of um, relationship and love and um, 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 the dangers of the church, lot lots of issues that underneath, undergirding the whole thing was was this the destructive power of demonizing the other um that that when we when we do that when we don't accept difference and um and search search into the difference to find out what it can offer us um but instead reject the other then we really uh it is both damaging but it 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 diminishes our own lives um, and that the importance of the other is that it it um, it gives us what we need to be really who we are. So I think Eleanor and Asha discover that in each other because they're quite different. Mm. Um, they discover more about themselves through that relationship. Uh, mm. But but it is there for Jews and Christians to discover more about themselves if they if they did not set up such barriers to making the diff- the other person um, lesser than them. Mm, I just found that really interesting and I just wanted to unpack that bit. So, yeah, so I liked that. Um, now, your writing process, does that change with each book or do you sort of follow a similar similar way of writing? Uh, well, well, I suppose I begin with, always begin with research 
uh, and and um, I begin with a vague idea of what the story might be about, but I never have a I never have a plot set. Um, so you would research, and do you ever start writing while you're in the middle of research, or you do a whole big chunk of research first? Because is it tempting to start writing before you finished your research? Um, well, the, it, it's tempting just to go on and on. And <laughs> okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so it's important to stop to find a point where I say the balance. Yeah, start writing. Um, I, I suppose I do a fair chunk, uh, but I also start playing with characters. Um, uh, it was interesting when I wrote my second novel, Book of Colors. It was in the process of researching um, illuminated manuscripts that I discovered my, my four main characters in the novel, um, well, my four main illuminators through the research that I did. I spent one afternoon and in the process just, just was thinking, yep, I can see that that artist and that artist and that artist. And I had, by the end of the afternoon, I had four of them, uh, wow. which was terrific to begin. Yeah, that's amazing. And character yeah. would be a big, big part of it. So I guess once you've done your research and then you've done your characters, I mean, you've done already a lot, haven't you? A lot of the work. It, it is character really that has, mm. to, has to, to drive the whole thing. Yeah. Um, when I was writing my first novel, I because it was about a woman in a cell, I was really intrigued by the whole question of what that would be like. But I thought, I don't, I can't, well, what narrative can there be with a woman in a cell? And a friend said to me, but don't you always say that character is the most important element? Don't you have to start there? And, of course, he was right. And once I had my character, then the story just started to build. And it's the same, it has been the same with this one, that Eleanor is... Um, Eleanor was very strong. I had a very strong sense of Eleanor in my mind mm. because I knew her as a little girl. Uh, and I began with her. I began with a Jewish man. I didn't know much about him. But once they started to interact, I the story began to mm. develop. Take shape. I love that. Now, Robert, a question I ask all my guests who come on the podcast is why do you write? Oh, I write because um, it helps me understand what I think. I often don't know what I think about things until I start to write them down. I love that. It's with the words that I start to to appreciate, um, become a little clearer about what it is that I think, and and I discover brand new things by writing. Mm. And I, while I wouldn't, um, I don't, I know I'm writing historical fiction, but I don't think of myself necessarily as historical fiction writer because I, I think that I write about people in history. I just write generally to, um, to think about the way people make sense of the world they find themselves in. Mm -hmm. And I think that, find, you know, writing people who, who are in, in the 13th century in a particular and the 14th century in a particular culture, I'm fascinated to think about how they 
how they make sense of their world and how they um, how they negotiate it. Mm. Uh, so um, that's 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 my main reason for writing fiction is to think about people's encounters with their own own context yeah I love that I love all of that and also I think you know like you said with the other that getting to know yourself through writing as well and what you believe and what you think about things I think I think it's so important and so I love so many elements of the of the book and particularly you know the power of words either way and you know the power of love as well you know I think both when you put love and words together even if you're in a really turbulent violent background um or setting you know those things hopefully they always win <laughs> yes they are the light the mm. absolutely the light and they continue to be hundreds and hundreds of years later so that's that's the good thing that hasn't changed i think robin that's <laughs> for all of us isn't it yeah absolutely love and, love and books yeah absolutely love and words what else do you need besides a few spices i think robin we'll throw in the spices yeah. and you've got a perfect combination <laughs> well thank you so much for your time it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you about you know your research and the process and you know where these ideas come from so it's it's actually really great i don't know what order people are listeners are going to be doing this in obviously i read the book first before i spoke to you but i think you know, we never do spoilers on the podcast, so you can do it either way. But I think speaking to you does add that richness to the reading. So I thank you for your time and your insights. Um, it's been lovely to chat. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Thanks, Danny. <laughs>